Welcome to the Sales Acceleration Show, where we talk about the science of selling across the areas of demand generation, sales, and sales operations. This show is about doing. We focus on real problems, real solutions with real people, all dedicated to accelerating sales. I'm Gabe Larson. And I'm Steve Error. Let's dive in. Gabe, today I'm on. Uh, I'm, I'm from. I'm in Boston, home of the uh, oh, are Super you really? Bowl champions. Super, can I say Super Bowl? The big game champions. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the game. Gal, I don't even know what to think about that, man. I don't even people. care. Yeah, I don't care about the Patriots. I don't care about the Falcons, really. But uh, uh, you know, Tom Brady is the best. He's the best, man. He's by far the best, greatest of all time. We got it. We got to have our guest chime in on this now. Dan, you're from New York. Are you coming? You're coming from New York, is that right? Yep, that's right. So uh, this is Giants and Jets territory for sure. Uh, is it? You're you're not a Tom Brady fan, then, huh? <laughs> I am not, but I'll tell you what. I'd certainly have respect for him. He is absolutely the goat, <clears throat> and in some ways, he's imparted uh, some of his greatness to the Giants by giving us, you know, two Super Bowls. So you have <laughs> that, that is true. Yeah, I'll take it. So I, I have I have much love for him. Yeah, thankfully you guys took a couple from him, or he'd have like seven. Does he have yeah. five? Is that he's, right? Five. He five. He's one for, one ring yes. for each. Finger. I mean, I'm watching so. that game. I'm watching that game, you guys. I'm thinking, finally, somebody just puts the Pats in their place. You know, it's twenty-eight to three. I'm seeing blowout. I turn the game off. You know, I turn it back on with four minutes left, and I'm like. <laughs> Tom Brady's the best in the world. <laughs> I, I was thinking exactly the same thing. Third quarter, I'm like, oh, well, another uh, lame Super Bowl. And uh, yeah. nope. That was amazing. Yep. Uh, and I don't know if I really care that much, but um, it was, you know, kudos to the Pats. But anyway, so welcome to the Sales Acceleration Show. I was I forgot what we were doing. I was thinking Super Bowl here. We got a podcast we're doing today. We're excited, as always, to dive into it. Interesting guest, as you've already heard, we got Dan Murdoch coming from a company called Work Market. And Dan, it sounds like um, in our previous conversations, you're really involved uh, running the demand generation and some of the operations side of things, which is a little bit different for us. Um, although, if am I understanding that right, Dan? Some of the um, sales development team actually rolls up to you. Is that right or is that not right? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so when we were going through the process of optimizing that team, I was able to take over from a managerial perspective, but it obviously lends itself to being um, in the hands of both demand generation and in sales development because that's the pass off. Right? Yes. That is, the, that is yeah. the most integral part of the process relative to making sure that your marketing qualified leads are getting to a market a sales accepted perspective. So, Interesting. I'm going to want to ask a little bit about that because one of the debates in the market is where should sales development sit you know it's kind of this redheaded stepchild should it be with with you in demand gen or should it roll up to someone who oversees demand gen should it roll up to its you know its own function should it roll to sales maybe we can debate that in a minute but before we do um tell us a little bit about work market and some of the cool things you guys are doing 
Yeah, certainly. So we're a freelance management system. We're enabling the enterprise um, at scale to be able to enable and provision on-demand labor um, inside of all their different labor clouds. So if you have a marketing cloud or a tech ops cloud or whatever it may be, um, it enables on-demand labor to be happening inside of uh, the enterprise or even to um, SMBs to some extent um, to be able to create a flexible workforce, right, to optimize operational costs. And, um, you know, they call us the Uber for work. So um, it's it's certainly in a pleasure to be able to work here. And as you alluded before, right, I, um, I'm obviously director of demand generation and pipeline operations here. Um, had a stint with the sales development team, getting them off the off the floor with implementation on InsideSales.com and Salesforce. Yeah. And Interesting. It was amazing. Yeah, so um, the the company, I mean, I do think it's a great niche. I mean, obviously, you know, I talk to a lot of people about this kind of, you know, freelance or, or outsource market and to be able to work those more congruently, um, it's just got to happen because there's a lot of things that are obviously moving that direction. Um, so with that, before we jump into the topic, we always like to try to embarrass people a little bit, and ask them something unique about themselves, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, Steve has this weird skin rash on his face. That's why he has the beard. That was something unique uh, about him. Um, True. Uh, you know, you're just going to go with that I'm one, gonna, I'm going to go with it. I, why not? You know, because Gabe, you've got that communicable disease, which is why we keep in that box. <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, someone said they climbed Mount Everest. You know, um, somebody else said something I can't remember. So when it comes to you outside of business, um, what, uh, what's something unique about yourself? Yes, certainly. So um, I was able to have the pleasure of playing collegiate sports um, for five years, which is a lot of fun. Played baseball. All uh, right. Yeah, University of Mary Washington in Southern Connecticut State. Um, but the unfortunate nature of that, which is probably more unique, is that during that process, I tore my ACL four times. Wow. So um, that's certainly an anomaly in and of itself. Four but, times? Um, yeah, four times. So you certainly won't catch me on the slopes anytime soon. I've done uh, it once, and it was, that was uh, enough for me. Yeah, exactly. It's certainly nothing I would wish on anyone, but teach you a little bit about adversity. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, Steve's was a little bit different, though. Steve tore his ACL when he was getting out of the bathtub. I mean, as a <laughs> collegiate athlete, or skiing, it's a little or skiing. <laughs> no, I knew it was skiing, Steve. But yeah, you know, the funny thing is, Dan, I. I was a high school athlete and I've already said this story like 10 times on the show. So I won't bother with telling the story, but uh, sometimes I allude to people that I was, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a sales consultant. So sometimes I'm on site at a client and I'll sometimes say, you know, when I was an athlete um, uh, back in the day, I was, but I don't tell them I was just a high school. (laughs) You know, I let them assume that I was maybe Let me tell you a secret. Gabe is one of these guys who thinks that chess should be part of the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) anyways um i could never make it to college so kudos i i played catcher uh through through uh through high school um, i was a pitcher so we would have been a a battery making a profession game would have been yeah the thing is like professional landscape that's right i just didn't have quite the body i think you know my my six foot 100 you know 55 pound frame just wasn't cutting it as as a as a college athlete so (laughs) Anyways, I'm jealous, but kudos because I think that is actually quite an accomplishment. Although for the ACL thing, I mean that, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you wonder if it's worth it, right? Do you, I mean, do you feel like it was worth it or do you look back and you're like, my goodness, four ACL tears. I can't even walk because of this, you know? I wouldn't change a moment, moment of it for a second. Um, I, I learned so many valuable lessons as a result of it. And, you know, it, it's an amazing life lesson just in and of itself, right? You're going to face so many trials and tribulations even in your professional career. I just, 
the ability to be able to have a problem in front of you, see a path to to be able to resolve that problem and create success from it is is something I would easily apply um, to real life examples, especially in the business context. So um, wouldn't change it for a moment. I think your uh, your knee doctor probably also <laughs> wouldn't change a thing because I think you probably bought him a boat. Oh, I, at least, at least, if not, if not, at least um, that are really nice couple of vacations each of those years. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Well, Dan, that's it's kind of a, a, enough about sports and knees. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you actually came here to talk to us about. Um, something you're you're calling the Harmony metric. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, I was thinking one day I had, you know, three technologies in front of me. I had uh, Marketo, which is our uh, marketing automation system. I had EverString, which is our account identification system, and then Inside Sales. And I saw they all had metrics inside of them that help enable a sales rep to uh, predictably understand who should they be prioritizing next, right? Whether it be contactability through InsideSales.com account fit score through EverString and on the Marketo side, obviously the lead score, which has probably been the most commonly used um, across marketing and sales organizations over time as, hey, this is a lead that you should be calling right now based off of their behavioral engagement. And to some extent, it, it only paints the conclusion I came to is that it only paints one part of the story. And so in an optimized way, I thought about how can I ultimately combine all three of those metrics together? to create a sort of this, this iron metric, this perfect metric for being able to say, hey, sales rep, this is exactly who you should be calling at this time because of A, they've been engaging in a meaningful way with our brand and with our content. B, there's a very good likelihood that they're going to be able to pick up the phone because their contactability score is high, right? Taking in all the, all the uh, different pieces of data that inside sales is um, accumulating. And then lastly, you know, is against the the perfect DNA of what our customer set is on a scale from zero to 100, is this a great lead that we should be calling into based off of that? And so in an effort to combine all three of those into the super metric, I, I created what I'm, what I'm coining as the harmony metric, which is the average weighted score of those. Love it. I love it. So tell me a little bit more. Uh, what's some of the stuff you found? Uh, how are you using it? Kind of give, give me some more color around this harm because I, I love the idea of, of this, and I think you'll have people who will will deal with one of these, and I think they've got it made. Yeah, exactly. And I think we saw instant gratification just right from the jump, um, and this is all sort of coming at one time in implementation. So it was a, it was a nice um, cohesive process for us as we went along, but and it, and it changed right. I, the weighted average score is like in in those three areas. Where do you put the most emphasis? Is is the account fit the most important piece? Is it the behavioral score or is it the contactability? Um, and we tested it right. The whole idea of 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 bringing these types of technologies is to allow it to become a science, right? Which is embracing the, the idea that you have an hypothesis, you then have your independent dependent variables that you're, that you're associating yourself with. And what is your ultimate result going to be as a result of tweaking each of those variables? And so for us to be able to manipulate that, to be able to change it in and out um, and test it across different reps um, was an incredibly um, integral part of the process to, deliver something that was totally optimized. Um, and so now we have our sales reps and more specifically, obviously in the sales development side, targeting, you know, leads in, in, in this oriented fashion, um, on a descending perspective so that they're calling into the right people at the right time at the right place. 
right? I think that's the one thing that's been missing. Um, I think, you know, I'm obviously on the marketing side and, and, and you could say that I'm, I have experience on the operations within sales and marketing to the extent of, you know, bringing in the actual accounts that we should be targeting um, and then tiering those accounts. That's been always, especially in a niche market, like for us, tech and field service has always been a very difficult um, time from an, from an account penetration perspective. Right? In the context of work market, right, it's not just, hey, do you have a sales department, do you have a marketing department? Okay, you've already qualified. I can sell to you, right? For for those types of companies that have more complexities that are looking for specific types of companies uh, with specific types of needs or resources or do certain types of services or delivery, um, you need to have that type of intimacy um, or that granularity inside of that process so that you can clearly identify who is the right type of account with the right set of characteristics, right? Analyzing that DNA and being able to um, aggregate what those are and then okay are they engaging with what we're what we're delivering and then b are they are we able to get in contact with them at, a, at an appropriate time so it's about leveraging the best in class technologies that exist from a from marketing and sales operations perspective to deliver on predictable revenue um and that's and that's what's happened um and we saw a tremendous result i mean it was instant gratification almost instantly uh, it was like a three three it was a 300 percent increase in every single metric um, that is meaningful to a marketing and sales organization, and it's obviously trickles its way down into revenue. So it was an exciting time for us. Um, you know, we we really um, finalized the process here in the in the latter half of Q4 of of 16. So um, it's super exciting, and I'm I'm happy to tell the story because InsideSales.com plays such an integral role and, in that. And, and and we like to we like to play that role. But talk to me about some of the tech stack that you use specifically to do this sort of thing. Like yeah, how, certainly. How do you do yeah, so the system of record, obviously, being uh, Salesforce, right, being their CRM, that that central hub, and then plugging into. If you think of it, it's just like our data warehouse, and then um, plugging and playing into that is EverString, uh, which is a company down in San Mateo, um, San Francisco. They are um, they position themselves as a predictable marketing tool, but I, I see it. Um, to be so much more than that in the sense that um, they allow you to take a subset of all the positive attributes um, that happen inside of your CRM. So taking in all the closed one data, all the conversion data, everything that you um, attribute inside of your system as a positive event, and then aggregate those types of accounts and then deliver to you what essentially your perfect customer looks like. Um, and that's in attributes of Keywords, you know, things are getting indexed on the web, um, firmographic data, all those things, right, are getting parsed together to create this perfect customer. Um, so that's the one piece. That's the account fit score, and and there's um, some dynamic um, user interface for for the sales reps and even for the for the administrative side for me um, that helps you get even more granularity into that increased segments. And then from there, um, you know, you have InsideSales.com, which I think you guys are familiar with. I'm, um, I'm a little familiar with it, yeah. Um, maybe just a little bit, but it's, um, obviously the sales acceleration tool relative to productivity. And one of the great things, one of the, um, probably 10 or 15 pieces of value that InsideSales.com delivers is the, uh, contact ability score through neural analytics, uh, or neural analytics, um, and that's on a scale from zero to 100. And that's en enabling us to understand at a specific time, what is the likelihood of you being able to to get in contact with that person? And that I love the type of data that comes into that, whether, you know, if I'm calling into Boston the day after the Super Bowl, after they've won, chances are people aren't in the office, right? People it's true, have yeah. 
have been out celebrating. People have been doing all these amazing things. I mean, bring in data like that, bring in the weather, bring in traffic patterns, all these things that, that would um, lend itself to understanding if someone can get in contact with at that very given uh, point in time is, is incredible. Um, so there's that piece. And then um, lastly, it's the Marketo piece, right? So I think, it, you know, marketing automation has been around for a while. Uh, there's tons of different providers. I've used Silverpop, I've used Marketo, there's Eloqua, there's Peridot, there's so many ones out there. And it doesn't really matter which one you use um, relative to your business. It's whatever um, you are most comfortable with. But the behavioral score dynamic of being able to measure an individual's uh, level of engagement with your content and with the things that are happening um, inside of that ecosystem is obviously aggregating against your scoring model. And that tells me if the person's actually interested with what we're delivering, right, from a, from a, from a marketing perspective. So those are the, that's what the technology stack looks like. And then, you know, there's, there's tons of other tools that help support um, specific niche um, parts of the assembly line that I like to call the assembly line of revenue, mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, ZoomInfo and a few others. But those are the, those are the core ones um, that I think are must-haves. And, and if I'm to make a prediction, I think at some point there will be a tool that ultimately um, consolidates all of those. Because when you combine all three of those things, and I think Salesforce is making some some moves to do this in the in the Einstein uh, release and, and and Lightning around bringing in um, machine learning and AI um, to the forefront of strategy and into the interface. I think that that is um, that's something that's going to happen at some point, whether it be in the next year or two. Um, but I, I think it's such opportunity um, for these technologies to be leveraged inside of the context of a business. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, it, it seems like this is definitely the way the industry is going, right? It, it's, we're predictive and everything. Let's now, let's take all these individual predictive pieces and, and put it together, right? Let, let's make a game. Let's, you know, to use our, our sports analogy we've been going back to, let's not just have an offense and a defense, but let's have them work together to create an overall game plan to win the game as a, as a whole. Exactly. And I think I think it's to, to to that exact point, right? We we have this this cultural phenomenon that's happening, which is where um, the type of cultures that we're trying to establish inside of our sales organizations is one where there's a roadmap to success, and here's what it is, and here's the formula. Let me hand that to you. All you have to worry about in the simplification of that is your execution. Right. So if right, we're simply right. and, and that's and that is such an important and impactful message to be giving to sales organizations um, and saying, listen, we have the formula. It's here and we are embodying it not only in what we're we're telling you from a cultural perspective and what we're we're delivering inside the tech technology, but also in the way that we execute. And so it's just a very exciting time to be extending that into the, the culture of the sales organizations to embrace that, um, that type of orientation and that it's not just wheeling and dealing and shooting from the hip anymore, right? It's, right. it's about ability to um, synthesize exactly what success looks like and that lends itself from the tool set that's being um, – and or at least empowering them to do so. Well, I think when, when, uh, you, know, when you look back at like – yeah, you know, think think about the classic sales movie like uh, what was that uh, with Alec Baldwin, uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he hands him the, the the stack of leads and says, "Just just smile and dial through. Like call these." Yeah. Right? We've come so far from a stat or opening up the phone book and working your way through. That's those are the stories I'd hear about at Merrill Lynch when I was over there. And yeah, I built my big business by just calling straight through the phone book, and. Uh, we have so many better ways from from 
the account fit score that you're talking about that, that, that fascinates me to also lead scoring where you can see people raising their hand without even realizing that they're raising their hand saying they're interested, you know, um, and putting it all together is, is uh, you know, as they're saying in New England a lot, that's cooking with gas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Could not have said that any better. Um, it's so funny. All the antiquated processes before are, are are now becoming obsolete, and almost it's becoming table stakes. And, and the way that I think about it too is like, oh, well, these tools are you know so expensive, and they're this and they're that. The cost of even the three or four tools that I'm talking about is, let's just say hypothetically, the cost of adding two people right to your organization. Right. Mm-hmm. But the impact is 3x whatever your existing base is. So essentially, if you look at it from the context of from an operational cost perspective, and if I'm looking at, at you know human capital expense versus technology and, and marketing and sales variable budget, the impact of making that, that investment is so much smaller comparative to having to expand your, time, your team by 3x. Right, we're, ta- we're talking about you know millions of dollars potentially that you're spending on bringing people just to have the same amount of impact on productivity and results. So to me, it's absolute table stakes, and it's and it's a no-brainer to be implementing these types of strategies and, and getting these technologies into your into your your technology stack. Well, what you're describing is essentially if you don't get on board, the risk is not just that uh, you'll be having the status quo, but you'll be left so far behind. Uh, <laughs> you won't even be able to see the train. It'll, it'll be off in the distance. Like there, there's, you're, you're dead. Absolutely, I, I, I totally believe that, and I believe it gives you a competitive advantage. Right? I feel relative to our competition, our ability to execute and to spin and to scale. Uh, whether whether it be expanding the TAM um, or to be trying to execute inside of specific campaigns or what have you, I believe that we are at an absolute competitive advantage as a result. And even to added benefits relative to those technologies, right? We talked about the account fit school score with EverString and being able to identify the perfect DNA of a customer set. I can do competitive analysis. I can identify who's using what tools. I can. It, it's an incredibly powerful tool to say. All right, I understand that our company has a specific integration. All right, let's just call it Salesforce, for example. I can clearly identify all the companies that exist um, inside of, let's just call it North America, that are current customers of Salesforce and also fit um, my perfect customer set. So being able to parse out that DNA and then bring in other variables to say, all right, I will, if they are and they are a Salesforce customer, I can then bring in that list, bring in that segment, create an engagement program, surround it with outbound calls and, and uh, inbound marketing techniques, and then be able to spin that into something that's meaningful for, for pipe generation. So it, there's just so many different ways that you can be leveraging these these tools, not only just from a prioriza- prioritization perspective inside of the Harmony metric, but in the overall scheme of, uh, of strategic execution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gabe, (laughs) Gabe, you you know, Dan, any any thoughts, any, any questions? I know, uh, you kind of had to pop out for a second, but, uh, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind, I just like the last part of that conversation. I just think, if you're not doing this, I think you're you are to a place where you're you're just falling behind the competition. You've got to start taking some of these principles and making it part of 
part of your everyday life. I mean, I know we've you guys have been talking most about the, kind of this metric and some of these concepts, but Dan, I'm going to have to hit you up later because I'd love to debate and discuss some of the concepts yes. around the sales development team and, and the organization and structure, but we'll have to save that for a later time. So Dan, really appreciate today. Um, we're going to see Dan, you know, at our conference, um, he'll be speaking there as well. He had a conversation with my colleague yesterday. So Dan is, uh, basically part-time inside sales.com at the moment, but we, 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 we appreciate you, Dan. Um, and with that, uh, Steve, over to you. Yeah, we want to do uh, one thing a little bit differently, uh, today, kind of a, a, a letter segment real quickly. Uh, we got a, an email from from Philip Marks uh, referring to our Rich Ross episode. like to get your thoughts on this, Gabe. Hi, folks. It was uh, interesting to hear the comment. Uh, you're putting people in a box with data scientific methods and people can learn to change. I'd love to have answered by saying we are not putting people in a box. We're merely assessing them. We're actually seeing if we can take them out of any boxes. Indeed, we are assessing them for their ability to learn and their openness to adapt and take on new functions. So conversely, we seek to see through various questioning and assessment if they can break out of their box, uh, their CV or others maybe suggest they are in. So as C Steve says, and I like that he quotes me, people can change. We, and we're assessing their desire and the, as, the, as well as their ability to change. Um, also, we can transfer the assessments into non-sales environments too. Non-sales environments like professional services also employ a variety of folks across the commercial spectrum where their intelligence, communicative, and technical uh, and team-oriented skills are considered and assessed. Thanks again, guys. Look forward to future podcasts. Philip Marks. Any thoughts on that from our Rich Ross episode, Gabe? Oof. Well, I know. I mean, there's was, a lot was, in there. We, we need to get... We need to get this. We need to get this guy on it. But you know, um, first of all, I always appreciate the comments. Um, I think this is the interesting debate. We talked about it on this on the show, Steve, and, and Dan. You might have an opinion on this as well. But um, you you want to find that balance in hiring that people are who they are, but give them the room to kind of be who they can be. Um, and finding that balance is, is never going to be easy. You don't want to tell people that they're in a box and they can't be come great. But at the same time, you've got to recognize who people are and who they're not. And so thinking that, you know, Gabe Larson is going to be some amazing computer programmer um, and, you know, thinking that he, he's going to somehow transform and be that is wasting his time and your time. Um, I, I'm a communicator. I'm I'm a talker. Um and so try, it, it's funny, you're doing them an injustice if you give them the opportunity to be whoever they want to be. And so I, I think you've got to try to go back to that strengths principle. Who are people? Who can they best become? Enable and empower them to do that and find a way to do it is really what I think a scientific process is all about in the hiring model. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, 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 you know, I, I do think people can change. Uh, they can change aspects about who they are, but inherently, you know, you know, Dan with with four ACL surgeries, he's never going to become a member of the U.S. ski team, you know. Right. Unfortunately, unfortunately. <laughs> he's never going to be able to meet Lindsey Vaughn that way. My unfortunately, never. It's never going to. My dream won't come true. Lindsey Vaughn <laughs> and I will never get married. It's it's unfortunate, but I'll have to settle settle for Taylor Swift if she if she. <laughs> Just well, you know, but he does you know, have funny he does have a winning personality to get Taylor Swift's attention. Listen, well, you know, my best. 
we 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 kind of joke about it with um, in sports or in physical in the physical world, but it makes so much more sense. I mean, that's a great great example. It's like you know he's torn ACLs. He just can't become, and it's obvious he just can't begin on the Olympic speed team. But when you then go into the kind of the, the world of hiring and you say, look, I mean, I'm shy. I I just can't be a salesperson. People are like, no, that's not true. He can change. Anybody he can be can whoever he wants to be. Come on, that's not you. You're putting him in a box. It's not fair to put him in a box. It's like, well, he's got a torn ACL. I mean, come on, it can't. He can't be on the ski team, you know. But it's just, it's a harder mentality to grasp. But I think a lot of the same principles apply. And I think about the costs associated with that, right? And the cost of trying to create change management in someone's personality. Oh my goodness! It's it's it's, it's crazy, and I, I totally concur with everything you just you guys just said. I mean, you can create predictability and looking at the commonalities of specific attributes of people, um, and understand if they'll be successful. And you're doing them an absolute disservice if you're putting them in a position not to be successful, especially if you're not prepared to enable them or the the amount of intimacy that would be necessary to allow them to be successful to come completely out of their shell and and reinvent who they are. Um, I totally agree with that, and I think that the the most successful hiring managers and even managers to that the same extent are those who identify the the commonalities and success, synthesize those, and then put those people in positions to be successful as as a direct result, and then continue to nurture wherever they may be weak or wherever they are most interested. It's not it's not about forcing them inside of a box. It's about allowing them to to spread their wings in the context of whatever most interests them, and typically that's what they're best at. And that's what drives interest. I, I'm absolutely with you. I think the the only the only reason that we uh, anybody ever thinks otherwise is is as I was talking to a sales leader before, uh, he he said uh, anybody could could do our job, and and he feels that way because he that's from his perspective, he feels that way. He's what he's always done, so it's all he knows. Um, I could never be a programmer. And uh, I think there are programmers who could never do what uh, some of my BDRs and salespeople do. Um, it's know, know your skill set and, and take advantage of it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it, man. All right. So you got to well, get that guy on the show, Steve. That would be fun to debate that. I will reach out to Phil today. So, Phil, look for an email from me today. Um, <laughs> and with that, uh, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe there. Leave comments. Uh, let Gabe know that you think that chess should not be part of the Olympic sports. Um, feel free to uh, email us like Phil did. It's not even funny. It's like not even funny. I mean, your jokes are just not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but you're laughing. So email us at podcast at insidesales.com. Plus, I'm editing the podcast, and I can edit any comments Gabe makes out. <laughs> and he does, and he does. And I do. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter at, at Gabe Larson and at Steve Error. You can tell Gabe that my jokes are funny. And uh, with that, let's get at it. <laughs>